Good morning, everybody. This is Jane Cormier, your host for Artful Living on WKXL, New Hampshire, talkradio.com, WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. We welcome you for being with us today. And of course, we have to have our shout out at the top. Uh, we want to thank Good Life for being a sponsor of Artful Living. From yoga to Tai Chi to art classes and guided tours of New England, Good Life programs and activities connect active seniors to their lives and to the community. And I can tell you from someone who has actually benefited from some of their programs, it, it's, a, it's a great organization and well worthy of your time and support. Um, you can reach them, goodlifenh.org. Or you can uh, contact or go stop in and see their facility. It's a great facility, 254 North State Street in Concord. Um, Again, good life. It's all about good things happening to people whenever you can. And you have so many options at Good Life. So thanks for being a sponsor, Good Life. And we hope that you will partake of their wonderful uh, options at that organization. All right, so today we have a wonderful guest. I, I remember we had Rob Landry on a f- weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, and um, it was one of the f- most fun uh, interviews I've ever had. I learned so much at that interview. It was awesome. And it, I think that they probably, the, the listeners who heard that show probably liked it too. Um, Rob Landry, thank you for being with us again. Well, thanks for having me. You are president and GM of WS, WSCS, which is 90.9 in New London. And yes. uh, you are the classical station. That's correct. And I like that. I like definitive uh, descriptions, and we certainly know from your last interview or our last interview together, you know your stuff, which is definitive, too. I like that. Well, I try my best. <laughs> <laughs> and that's obvious. That's obvious. So um, WKXL, as you know, for the past few months has been trying to make a bit of a change toward offering programming um, that is based on health and wellness and arts. And we used to do an awful lot of that in the older days. But, you know, trajectory being what it is, things change as time passes. Yes, indeed. We want to get back to it. And we want to be a real presence in the community for all good things. And you, I think, are of like mind. Yes, indeed, we are. I mean, I am. You are. (laughs) You are. So um, tell us a little bit about WSCS for those that maybe didn't hear our last chat together. Well, WSES is a small station. It transmits from Colby Sawyer College. Um, that's where its studios are. It plays um, a format that is almost entirely classical music. There's a couple of programs that we run on the weekend that are non-classical, but everything else is uh, Mozart, Beethoven, Brahms, Yay! Um, all of the great uh, uh, classical composers. The format was actually designed by a fellow named Mario Mazza, who um, worked at WCRB in Boston back in the uh, early 2000s and uh, late 1990s. Uh, It's designed for um, the average listener as opposed to um, professional musicians or uh, real 
geeky classical types that want <laughs> to find obscure pieces yes. of music and whatnot. It's it's basically designed for the average listener. And there's nothing wrong with that. Of course it should be. Let's face it, classical music, opera, we've been sort of downtrending into this little niche you know, uh, art form. And we're, we're going to stay there unless we can embrace to the full audience. And let's face it, a lot of people might not be fully comfortable yet with classical music, but offering it to people in a, in a way that they can grab and grasp is the beginning of it growing. So that's a good thing. That's not a negative at all. Absolutely. That's the way we feel. Yeah. Absolutely. So in the old days, too, don't forget, it was their pop music of the time. You know, everybody used to go see uh, the operas and stuff. It wasn't just those that had the money to support it. Well, that's true, especially uh, composers like Mozart did a lot of uh, popular uh, stuff. He was a crazy guy. Yes, he was, quite. (laughs) And we play a lot of his music, too. And we should, right? I mean, whenever I have the opportunity to be dropping the bios, the subtle bios of these wonderful, impressive musicians and composers to my students, um, I'm, without their knowledge perhaps, promoting their interest in these people. And if you read their stuff, if you read their letters and you read the histories of these composers, impressive human beings and real stories. Oh, absolutely. Real stories, you know. So it's good to get that out there. I am such a fan of classical music. And in my later years here, it's, it's sad to have seen a decline in offering classical music to people in the radio or online or wherever you're looking and so what do we do about that well the only thing that you can do is find uh outlets that give you the music you want and support them in whatever way you can whether it's patronizing their advertisers or whether it's giving them direct contributions or even just writing in letters of of encouragement Mm -hmm. and calling and saying giving them feedback Mm -hmm. Uh, We always want to know what our listeners uh, are feeling and thinking about us, and um, it's always useful to hear from people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people do not understand how important that communication is. Even just the thought that folks took the time enough to write you and let you know or communicate with you about what the program, how they felt the program went or what they thought about the offerings— it, you know, we're all human beings. It makes yes. you feel good, right? I mean, yes, we're all indeed. trying to do a good thing and knowing that we're hooking into other people's, you know, whatever they might feel about it. I think it's a positive. And absolutely. And we have to keep this thing going. So, yeah. absolutely. Well, now we have a little bit of news that we can offer our listeners. And uh, you're probably going to be driving this more than anyone, so I'm not going to get in your way. But uh, WKXL? And WSCS are going to be, um, we're going to be beneficiaries of what you do at your station. And uh, tell us a little bit about what we're talking about here. Well, the uh, <clears throat> idea is that we will f- provide a program feed from WSCS to WKXL that will go on the air at midnight. And it will start out with a Mozart piece because <laughs> uh, we have our Midnight Mozart feature. Yes. Uh, and the from then until 5 o'clock in the morning, it will basically be solid classical music. And you can listen to it and uh, tell us what you feel about it. And um, 
Then at 5 o'clock, we go back to normal uh, WKXL programming. There you go. So for everyone out there that's listening, right, that might be or might have been bemoaning the fact that we don't have nearly nearly as much classical music um, out there, this is what you need to support, right? I mean, even though it's going to be 12 to 5, I assume that it's also going to be um, online, right? Oh, yeah. So, you know, we, we can also get to that music. Uh, through our computers, which is always a good thing. Yes, uh, we have our uh, classical, uh, I'm sorry, our classical WSCS.org website, uh, and there's a link on there that you can listen to us any time of the day. Right. And uh, we're always there. Yes, that's that's the thing. You're always there. That's important to know. So um, 12 to 5 is going to be all music here for WKXL, and that's something that as we are working to make changes here at the station, I think is hugely important. And we are so happy to have this opportunity um, from WSCS to share what you do with your listeners and broaden it out a little bit down toward the Concord and Manchester area. Absolutely. And we were technically in the Concord market as uh, being in New London, but we don't cover much of it because we're a fairly low-powered station. Mm -hmm. We focus on the uh, Lake Sunapee area, uh, and we don't get down much towards Concord. As you go down I-89, you start hearing a Boston (laughs) uh, NPR station breaking in on our music. Do you now? Yeah. Okay, all right. Because they're on the same frequency that we are. I see. Okay, there you go. Well, I mean, I think both of our organizations are going to benefit immensely from working together, and that's what it's all about anyway. Partnerships is what's going to save this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I'm thrilled. I can't. I tell you, in the for for folks that might not know, in the background, I came on. I had done art for living for a couple of years, and then I took a break for for a few months. I mean, I think maybe eight nine months. Came back and restarted it, and uh, really wanted to have the opportunity to have classical music playing overnight, and was just stumped at how do you even begin this, right? And so uh, that triggered this thought that maybe we could work with someone that's already put it together. And here we are. I'm so thrilled. I think it's going to be great. Well, we we are excited about it as well. Yes, it should be fun. So I hear our music playing, and that means that we're going to take a break. So you stay right where you are. We're going to come right back on the other side and talk some more with Rob Landry from WSCS. This is WKXL, NewHampshireTalkRadio.com. Welcome back. Artful Living here. Jane Cormier, your host at WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. NewHampshireTalkRadio.com. And if you're just joining us, our guest today is Rob Landry, who is the president and general manager of WSCS in New London. And uh, 90.9 are the call numbers, and he... He runs the classical station uh, in the in the area, New Hampshire, we'll say. What do you think, New Hampshire? Well, there are other classical stations in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, ours is the ours is the the main one for the area that we serve. There we go. All right, for for the 
Concord or Greater Concord. How is that? Greater Concord area mm-hmm. and beyond. Lake Sunapee area, right? Yes. There you go. Um, all right. So we were actually talking about how we now have this wonderful new partnership that's brewing to begin in, I guess, November. Yes. 12 to 5 classical music right here on WKXL because uh, the WSCS is going to allow us to, is it simulcast? Yes, it will be a simulcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll be able to partake of starting at 12 midnight, Mozart, midnight at Mozart, what do you call that? Well, we don't actually have a name for it. Oh. It's just a feature that's there. It's okay. always a Mozart, uh, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes of Mozart at, awesome. starting at midnight. I love it. Uh, kicking off that hour of the... Uh, <laughs> of the, uh, of the listening, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I love that. It makes me giggle. I'm sure Mozart loves it, too. Um, you know, we were talking about the fact before we left the other segment that I was sitting here trying to think, okay, we had these big plans. I wanted to have overnight classical music because right now we we have varied programming and health and wellness and arts. We wanted mm-hmm. I wanted music. Yeah. Fortunately came up with this idea and it's going to be working out. But you know what? The most impressive thing I think uh, about this whole thing, Rob, is the wealth of your knowledge base in radio I find fascinating. And well, thank you. Wow, are you kidding me? I mean, you are a master of this and somebody that's come in very late into the process. I'm, I'm a glorified opera singer. That's pretty much it. Mm. Uh, but I really am enamored of the history of WKXL specifically. That's where I, where I work right now. Uh, the fact that they were so community-based since I think like 1940. Yeah, you know? that, that is how radio was always supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, was uh, It was a public service. It was uh, the Communications Act of 1934 that basically um, established how the airwaves were going to be regulated in this country, specified uh, a number of obligations that broadcasters had to accept as a condition of being public trustees because mm-hmm. the airwaves are owned by the public. Right. Uh, And um, when I got into um, the radio business in 1979, it was still very much that way. Yeah. I mean, what I think we've lost so much in this technological age. I know everybody goes, oh, you know, and I know I get it. You know, we've gained so much in that arena as well. But I think that arena kind of overtook what we had going as as community based Mm -hmm. anything, really. And I would love to see community stations be able to have a resurgence and really get in there. There is a movement um, promoting low-powered FM stations, LPFMs they call them, Hmm. uh, which are necessarily stations of limited range. Right. And they serve hyper-local neighborhoods and towns and whatnot. Good. Um, So there is some of that coming back. Really? Really. but it is not what it was in the old days when you had high-powered stations that were nevertheless community-focused yeah. and listener-focused. And nowadays, it's much more um, marketing-driven. Yeah. It's much more driven towards uh, what will benefit the stockholders rather than the listeners. Welcome to the world, and, right, uh, these days, right? Yeah. Sad. Even opera's the same way, you know? Yep. Yeah. So it's it's kind of sad to have watched that, but you know what? It that makes our stations even more important, as far as I'm concerned, because we are keeping it 
going. Yep. We're, we're making an effort to be out there for our community. I know WKXL has has so many um, different plans that are already in progress, be it writer forums or uh, classical music. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing an, an opera program in the mm-hmm. new year. Um, so we're working hard to, to keep local, keep community, and really service you know, whatever community would be interested Excellent. in what we're doing. So important that we all keep that up. Now, WSCS is, is in New London. Yes. How many years has it been there? Oh, boy. We took it over in 2017. Okay. It went classical under the previous uh, regime in 2014. Before that, it was a college station that was run by Colby Sawyer, and it was programmed by students who basically played whatever they wanted to. Yeah. I think it had been around uh, since the mid-90s in that format, but I don't recall precisely when they started it. Okay. And are they still very supportive of the station? They're very supportive Big of the part station. Of it? Yeah. Awesome. They are they are the biggest um um underwriter Wonderful. Uh, that we have. That is so great. And so do you have students involved in, in the um, we don't have any students involved. We would enjoy working with them if they were interested, but the really? folk we haven't had a whole lot of people expressing interest in classical music there. Right. Uh, but we would certainly welcome a, uh, a collaboration with anybody over there who wants to work with us. Wouldn't that be awesome? Mm-hmm. I would think that, uh, isn't it, you, don't you have to find ways to do the programming, like to have producers and people to run anything there? We have uh, basically some of my old colleagues from WCRB who now work in, on Cape Cod that do the program producing for us. I see. So the voices that you hear on the air, other than mine, yeah. are, are largely theirs. I gotcha. Would you ever use students for that capacity if they were able to do if it? If there's somebody that wants to do it and wants to learn how, absolutely yeah. we would. Man, I would think what an opportunity that would mm-hmm. be for, for someone. Yeah. You yeah. know? Wow. Yeah, okay. I'm on the board of trustees of a uh, college radio station in Boston that's independently owned. It's not owned by the college, uh-huh. and uh, it's all student-run. The general manager, the president, the whole oh shebang gosh. is all run by students. They go out and they sell their own commercials. Uh, they've been doing this <laughs> since 1940, so it's, no. a, it's an old. Uh, that's where I. That's how I got into radio in the first place was by by being there. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And it's still going on. Yes, it's still Where is it located? Strong. Cambridge, Massachusetts. Okay. 95.3 FM. It's called WHRB. Is that right? Good for yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that might be a project someone could take on. Yes, you know, indeed. The Colby Sawyer, it's a college. I mean, you know, or any student nearby that would be interested in a communication Degree, right? What, well, what they, would they had they had people there in the old days that did that, and uh, they seem to have evaporated. There's not a whole lot of interest there in uh, in radio nowadays. Really? Yeah. Well, that's kind of sad. Yeah, it is. You know, but because it is an of, art form all on its own. Plenty of listeners that want to hear it. Yeah. And the college certainly values it. Yeah. So you know. You never know. Never do know. It might yeah. brew a renaissance. You never know. Yep. So so that's awesome to know. Um, what what is what is like the long term goal, or do you have a long term plan at WSCS? Well, we would love to expand our range. We'd love to get into the uh, uh, upper valley, uh, which is where you know the uh, my other hat as the uh, uh, 
CEO of Sugar River Media, that's where our focus is. Uh, we'd love to be able to get that format on the air in, say, Lebanon or Hanover, because yeah. I think it would do very well there. Oh, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Wow. Well, that sounds pretty doable. You know, we'd love to get to, uh, we'd love to up the uh, power of WSES where it is so that we can reach more of the uh, Concord market than we do. Mm-hmm. Wow. And how does one go about doing that? What, what would you need to do to, you say, up the power? What, what well, needs to happen Well, we would need that? to develop a plan that involved uh, figuring out how much money we need, uh, enlisting the help of anybody that would be willing to serve as a landlord, for instance, to put a telephone pole. I mean, we have a station up in Randolph, Vermont, which is broadcasting from the top of a telephone pole in a farmer's field. <laughs> And it covers about 10,000 people. That's it really awesome. doesn't go much farther than WSCS does. That's but, great. Uh, you know, we could do that. If we could put a kilowatt on top of a telephone pole on a hill in some area that would reach uh, the Upper Valley and the Concord Market, that would okay. be delightful. So what what is the expense for that then? You know, what what how does that... When it's you say expense, what does that probably mean? Probably between fifty and $100,000 when all is uh, tallied. Paid to what, though? Um, engineering consultants, oh, uh, okay. contractors, um, utilities. Wow. I see. So it is a lot more complex than just sticking something up on the pole. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Good to know. All right. We're already getting new ideas here, right? We're already getting all this information. I love this. Rob Landry is our guest, and he is from WSCS. We're going to take a little break here and come back on the other side, and I'll come up with something else because this man is a... Just a wonderful, wonderful vessel of information for radio. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, hang tight. WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. We will be right back. Welcome back. Art for Living here. Jane Cormier, your host on WKXL, New Hampshire, talkradio.com. And uh, we have a guest today that I welcome with, with everything. I love this guy. His name is Rob Landry. And he is the president and GM of WSCS, New London radio station, the classical music station. And it's 90.9. And for those that are just joining us this segment, we will, WKXL will be doing a partnership with WSCS where we're going to simulcast from their studios, I guess. Um, I don't know. Yeah, basically, studios? you'll be broadcasting what we broadcast. Yeah. Um, and um, it will be classical. It will have uh, elements in it identifying both stations so folks Great. will understand what's going on and they won't think they're listening to some other station. <laughs> Who's this station? Right, because it's a classical music station. It's going to run 12 to 5 overnight. And wonderful addition to our station. I know that. That's for sure. And uh, Rob Landry, I want you to tell our listeners a little bit of how you got into radio. I'd like to hear that story. Well, it started really when my grandfather died in November of um, 1971. Uh, he 
had in his house a whole collection of ancient radios, some of them going back to the 1920s. And we'd oh always been told that, what, that we were not allowed to touch any of them. Yeah. And after he died, of course, we started turning them on, and my brother and I, and you know, uh, tuning around. And we found one that would pick up South Africa and <laughs> Moscow. Get out and of here. The BBC and all these shortwave stations. Uh, and we got, we both got bitten by the bug. We got Do you our, still have those? Um, my brother has one of them, and I have another one in my living room. And they yeah. still work? They still work, yeah. Holy moly. The one my brother have is, uh, the one my brother has is called a McMurdo Silver, that's the designer's name, Masterpiece 6. And it was bought in 1938 by my grandfather. My grandfather had a strange experience. In the summer of 1929, he woke up out of a nightmare, and he called his stockbroker, and he said, sell everything. So Get he, out of you know, here. Two months later, the bottom dropped out of the stock market, so he was sitting pretty. Come on, get out of here. He used some of this. Well, this is the family legend anyway. He, he actually called them out yeah. of a dream. Yeah, and said, sell everything. <laughs> And uh, he uh, <laughs> bought a lot of peculiar things during the 1930s that nobody else could afford. Uh, and one of them was, uh, was this radio. It was very fancy um, uh, deluxe radio that was built um, uh, in 1938, designed by this fellow named McMurdo Silver. And it, it, in 1971, when we turned it on, it was, it, it was full of old-fashioned tubes. There's one that has a little eye thing that, that narrows when you tune the station that you're trying to reach in. Uh, it, it narrows, and that's how you know you've got it tuned in. Uh, and we're tuning around, listening to all these stations all over the world, and that's what got us interested. Oh, my we goodness. We both got our ham radio licenses okay. uh, uh, shortly after that. Okay. And then when I arrived in, uh, uh, in college, I showed up at the local radio station, and they said, you have a ham radio license. You need to go into the tech department. And soon I was working on transmitters oh and studio goodness. equipment and all kinds of stuff for them. Crazy. Uh, and I branched out into announcing classical music programs <laughs> uh, and newscasts and everything under the sun. I and, imagine uh, you have seen everything you could see. I mean, especially with the old radios. Now, I have a question, non sequitur maybe, but... I often wonder in those old radios, if the parts break, can you get new parts? In general, the answer is yes. I mean, believe it or not, the old tube-type radios, you can usually find parts for those uh, at least as easy as you can modern stuff. You're kidding. The computer-derived um, technologies tend to use a lot of custom-designed chips, and those chips will go out of production, and then the only place you can find them is on eBay. Yeah. But tubes, you know, there are, there are companies in China and Russia that still make tubes, so you can still find them. My Goodness. And uh, that uh, the station I was at this morning um, in Dover, New Hampshire, has an, uh, a main transmitter that was built in 1985 that's all solid state and a backup transmitter that was built in 1955 before I was born. And I can still get parts for that old transmitter. You can? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. that's good. I often kind of wondered about that because it was sad to think that these amazing, because don't forget, back in the day, the radio was it, baby. Yes. I mean, before we had TV, right? Yeah. The main thing that communicated to the world. 
and it was central to family life if you were lucky to have one, all oh, right? Oh, absolutely. That's right. But to think that somehow that would go away, I know that we're not going to really use them much, but to me it just kind of matter, mattered that, you know, once the parts, you can't get the parts, it's done, right? Yeah, if you've got <laughs> a fancy computerized piece of technology and it's based on a custom-designed chip that's mm. not manufactured anymore— you're pretty much out of luck right. because uh, there might be a remote possibility that you could get it to work with some other chip. Yeah. But most of these things are so highly specialized that, um, you know, for want of a nail, the kingdom is lost, yeah. basically. Isn't it funny how, how we keep seeing that? And the analogy between being old-fashioned and what we have for cutting-age new stuff just keeps smacking me in the face that with all the good— there's a limit to it because, like you said, if you can't find that chip, you're screwed, right? It's done. Well, or in the old days— It's it, all about specialization. Yeah. If you have a chip that you've designed that can do 65,000 different things, it's likely to still be in production 10 years from now because there will, people, there will still be people out there that need them. Okay. If you design a chip that only does one thing mm-hmm. and it's only built to— take the CBS evening news at the top of the hour mm-hmm. and CBS changes their format mm-hmm. and the chip is of no longer there's no longer reason to make it anymore right and you've got this thing that you're still using for something and the chip breaks yeah. and you're you're, you're not going to be able to do it anymore it's, it's too specialized you're just so crazy I love this here's another non sequitur I've always wondered it and you can answer it and and I know it's weird but just go with me so what if we ever had like a, a world crisis, right? A catastrophe, right? How would people, I mean, shortwave, I guess, the cam radio people could keep things going, but would these community stations prove of any advantage should like a horrible catastrophe ever hit? Well, radio stations and especially AM radio stations are very valuable in an emergency because the first thing that goes down in an emergency are, is the Internet and the cell phones. Okay. So you're stuck needing information. Where do you turn to? Right. And the answer is likely to be radio. I because, get out, really? Uh, that, that's, everybody has a radio. You dust it off, you turn it on, you tune it to a local station, and the the station will be able to t- to give you the emergency information that you need if they're running and they're and they're able if they're running if right. they have generators if they've got power if they've got people uh, that's really what you need you get a person you can put them in front of a microphone they can tell you what's going on they can at least tell you what they are seeing out the window right and um, locally they yeah. tell you but what, and, like, and all emergencies are local right the notion that there's going to be an asteroid hitting the planet is is a bit far-fetched right. I mean you, what you're really de- what you're really dealing with is tornadoes and um, hurricanes and fires and that sort of thing right and in that situation what you want is a locally focused medium that can reach people without a lot of expensive technology and radio fits the bill handily, mm-hmm. uh, much better, I think, than any other medium. Wow, that's really cool. And that, that in itself is a reason to pay attention to the local AM stations that our communities might have. Yeah, absolutely. If they have that capacity. So what about the electrical, you know, what do they call that, um, when the electric is hit? The uh, grid? The, not the grid. 
um, a pulsing. Oh, pul- you're talking about electromagnetic pulse? Yes. The famous, uh, I, th- I forget what the name of that experiment was that they conducted in 1962 where they exploded a nuclear bomb up about 50 miles in the air and it took out a whole bunch of electrical infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, over like hundreds of miles. Um, well, don't they say that there are ways for com- for countries to do that to our grid, right? Yeah, it can be done. Uh, it, they've, now that they know that uh, what the effect is and they've analyzed it, they know physically how to do it, then yeah, you can explode a nuclear weapon at just the right altitude. It doesn't do any damage on the ground, but it creates this immense electromagnetic spike that takes out of ele- uh, takes out a lot of electronic devices. So what if that happened? Would we still be able to run? Yeah, I think so, but it all depends on the degree to which you've got long pieces of wire running to the device in question. Okay. I mean, if you've got a little radio that's in your pocket and it's dependent on a little coil, it's more likely to survive. Okay. So the individual instruments would would be affected by this yes is what you're saying right? yeah could be anyway yes wow okay very cool good information um you are with jane cormier artful living here on wkxl 1450 a.m 103.9 fm concord and 101.9 fm in manchester hang tight because we're going to come up over the other side and have more questions to throw at rob landry president and gm of wscs in new london hang tight we will be right back Welcome back. Artful Living here. Jane Comier, your host on WKXL, New Hampshire Talk Radio.com. WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. Our guest today is Rob Landry, who is president and GM of WSCS in New London. That's 90.9 on the dial. And, uh, we have been announcing in these past three segments, if you're just joining us, that uh, we're going to be doing a simulcast with WSCS 12 to 5, beginning in November, which would offer only classical music to our listeners. And we are very grateful um, that we can work this out, this simulcast with WSCS, because it's time that we have more classical music on the airwaves. And uh, so that's been very exciting and I just go to bed feeling good about that. That's a good thing. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you have been with us, you know that I've been sort of grilling this gentleman because he's been in radio for a very, very long time, and he knows so much. And um, I love the fact that we can pepper him with questions because (laughs) I have these things in my head, and they never get asked because who am I going to ask? I mean, who knows what you know? In the, in the realm of radio. Well, I think anybody that's been around radio as long as I have will pick this stuff up. Uh, I, mean, no. I think you know more. I have a feeling that you're kind of the, the, the Meister, Meistergeist there, whatever it is. I mean, I'm somewhat of an um, uh, anomaly in that I never went to work for any of the big corporate uh, radio owners. Good. Uh, I've always worked <laughs> for independent stations, yeah. and um, uh, I've been a champion of localism in radio and... Uh, independent voices. Absolutely. I mean, and we were talking in the last segment about how important it is, even in a you know state of an emergency, how important that local um, radio station, AM station could be. Um, you mentioned a little bit in your past that uh, you had a short wave 
radio license. Is that yeah. a ham? Yeah, ham ring? Amateur radio licenses uh, include shortwave operating privileges, but also privileges operating in a lot of other bands from long wave way up into the microwave uh, range. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, well, most people, ham radio these days doesn't get much publicity Yeah. because the internet and other recent technologies have kind of driven it away from the public's attention. Yeah. But it's still there. Most of the people who do it are older folks now. Uh, they deal in Morse code and uh, strange uh, uh, frequencies that most people don't tune in. Not not the AM and FM broadcast bands. Right. But um, things that are above, below, and between yes. them. Yes. I, I think, actually, that they're a real important group of, um, you know, radio enthusiasts because if anything else, if for you know, no other reason, if everything else did go down... Right? Wouldn't they still be able they to get us? They would still be there. They, you'd still be able to hear ham radio operators from other parts of the country saying, describing what conditions yeah. are like. You know, in in many uh, emergency situations around the world, they are valuable um, uh, for community service and for getting information in and out of communities. Yes, I think that's. We should forget about that. I think it's really important. You know, to always think that we're going to be safe. With our little computers and all of the technological stuff we have is okay. You know, I get that. But I think that it's foolhardy well, to more, forget. The more complicated the world gets, the more vulnerable it gets. Mm -hmm. Because all of that complexity means many more points of potential failure. Yeah. And if you have a situation where everything in the world is depend on, dependent, for instance, on one supplier of some resource in Taiwan mm -hmm. and something happens to the shipping lanes or something happens on Taiwan, mm -hmm. the entire world suffers because of it. Right. And it, it is a, um, you know, the, the potential exists for a, a, a major civilization collapse based on the inability to get food from places that grow it to right. places where it's needed. New England only grows 10% of the food that it eats, for mm -hmm. instance. Right. And that's true with a lot of you know, parts of our country. And and I think that the, the lesson is that we should never believe that we're immune to these things possibly happening and losing sight of what we would do if it ever did, right? I mean, we could be yes. the ostrich with our head in the sand, but that's like at our own peril because you're right, when it all works on such a, a complex scale, and some piece of that scale, important piece of that scale, is no longer in play. Yeah, you, you have the whole system fails, and then you have to either fall back on a backup system or come up with some other way to get your needs met that doesn't involve this worldwide web of technologies. Right, exactly. So I think that these, these folks that some believe, I know people in my family, when I've tried to talk to them about, you know, I had an interest in looking at, the ham radio operation, you know, and the responses were amazingly negative, like from like, what are you stupid, you know, to, you know, what are you ever going to need that for? And, and I, I'm always, when I hear that response to anything, you know, that anyone says, I often wonder, you know, why, why the energy is that pronounced in the denial of the possibility 
And I think that that's more of a problem. Well, you have people that are used to the way they, the, the way they deal with things, and they don't feel there's a need to deal with them any other way. Yeah. Um, you find people who look at radio and say, radio, that's I know. old-fashioned. We have the <laughs> Internet now. No. We can, you know, we've got these things in our pockets that can, can you know, rule the planet. Uh, you know, more computing power in my pocket than a, a room full of IBM uh, technology back in the 70s, yep. which is true, but it misses the point. That phone in your pocket is only as good as the network of transmitters and, and relay stations that supports it. Yeah. If that network goes out, it's useless. It's a brick. Right. You, can, you might be able to use it as a doorstop. That'll be know? about it. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's you know, cautionary tale of our time. And I think that thinking beyond what is directly surrounding you is, okay, understandable, but I've never been a big supporter of that. You know, I I think that our existence is so immense, uh-huh. so immense, yeah. that there it's, it's problematic to think that it's only going to roll one way. You know, I just well, don't believe history that. history shows us that it rolls in many different ways. Uh, Stephen Jay Gould, who was a, a paleontologist, developed the term punctuated equilibrium to describe the evolution of life. Things move very slowly and change very gradually, and then all of a sudden something major happens, and mm. you have these major groups of animals or plants that spring into existence seemingly out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and others that disappear off the face of the earth, like, for instance, the dinosaurs at the end of the Cretaceous period Mm -hmm. 66 million years ago simply vanished. And for a long time, we never knew what happened. And that's known as a punctuation in the equilibrium. And human history, the history of human civilization, is also a punctuated equilibrium. Yes. You have a a situation where for 99 years after the defeat of Napoleon, most of Europe had this period of peace and tranquility that stretched until 1914. And it stretched so long that people felt that it would never end. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you had World War One. That's right. Completely unexpected by anybody. Right. I mean, and in some ways, that whole, that that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. You know, the vision of thinking that just what you have right here in front of you is all you need to concern yourself with. And I'm not saying that you stay up at night and you know, have these overwhelming anxiety issues well, you, about you what could happen. Because there are so many things that could happen that probably <laughs> won't happen. Right. That, you know. You drive you, yourself crazy. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. But still, you know, the thought is in there that you, you should be cautious to just how much you want to buy in to all of this stuff, you know, that's right there. I was born in 1957, the year of Sputnik, which, by the way, was launched 66 years ago yesterday. Really? Yes. Wow, cool. And I was used to the ever-present threat of nuclear annihilation (laughs) and the Cold War and the fact that there was us and the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. And I went had occasion to visit the Soviet Union twice in the 1970s. Wow, that must have been, wow. as late as 1987, uh, if you had told me that in five years, hence, there would be no Soviet Union anymore, I would have said, you're out of your mind. Right. It had been there all my life. Right. You know? Right. Absolutely. And suddenly, in virtually the blink of an eye, the world changed. It did. And that's an example of punctuated equilibrium right there. There you go. Big one, too. Yeah. I mean, I think probably that was coming um, for a few years before it actually fell. Of course. Because of the dialogues and stuff that was happening within 
each country. You yeah, know? of course it was Culturally, buildings, but yeah. it was under the under the radar. That's right. And suddenly it hit hit. Yeah, right. There you go. That's always a good story, though. Being being present, I think, in your in your world, and to see, you know, perhaps a little bit over the top, isn't a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. And it's funny how we can also help you value the past more. Yes, well. indeed. Oh, yeah. The past doesn't, you know, drain away. It's right there. And it's nice to keep that past, I think. Anyway. And it can teach us lessons about what to expect in the future. It can't predict the future. Right. But it gives us examples of how things are affected by new technologies and new developments and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. new fields of knowledge. Exactly. We're a lot smarter with understanding the past than in just denying it or not being knowledgeable of it you know all righty so uh rob landry thank you so much for coming in today thank you for having me what didn't we talk about today oh boy (laughs) (laughs) we really we we spread the gamut here yes we did but it was a great conversation as always um rob landry president and gm of wscs new london 90.9 and uh we thank you for being part of our conversation and for helping us bring classical music to WKXL. I'm glad to be of service. <laughs> yes, I, well, I am so thrilled. It's wonderful. So, NewHampshireTalkRadio.com, WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time here on Artful Living.